Hello and welcome to episode two of the Reimagining Work podcast with Roger and John. And uh, the topic for today comes out of a conversation that you and I had uh, over the last week or so, Roger, when you said there's something happening in the way that we work. And I thought that's actually a really good uh, sort of subject matter for episode two to look at what are some of the things that are happening in workplaces and uh, you, you um, sent a note through to me and reminded me about the sort of chronically low engagement scores in workplaces and in terms of reimagining work we're looking to uh, encourage uh, conversation and engagement with us around this whole topic of what is the better way that we can work we know that people around the world there's about 15 to 20 percent engagement in the workplace Mm-hmm. Uh, that's no surprise. That's been bumping around that figure for quite a number of years now. But there's something going on in workplace, and I think it would be useful to explore some of those ideas. So there is something happening in the way that we work. There's a really good example that's gone viral for people who are interested of an employee of Comcast who was charged with retaining dissatisfied customers and this cringeworthy broadcast of his co- telephone call and you can see that there's something in the system, there's something in his workplace, there's something that makes him do the way, do what he does and the way that he does, trying to desperately retain this customer and actually making the situation worse. And I thought it was a really good example of some of the stuff, the dumb things that I say, what I would say is the dumb things that go on at work. So that's today's topic. Did you want to say anything by way of introduction? Uh, no, I, I, I listened to the, the, the Comcast. Uh, I was amazed about the point where Eventually, he uh, the caller um, uh, accepted the fact that he was going to say something, and for the reason why uh, he cancelled, he wanted to cancel the subscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, the why was apparently were really important, and he said, "Well, this telephone conversation is it might be the best example of a reason why I want to cancel my subscription." And even when that was said, the guy on the other line, the Comcast guy was still um, trying to get his quota or getting his marks or checking the boxes that he needed to, to, to check. And uh, it was an extreme situation where people are forced to do very dumb things um, in, in, in light of whatever rules or regulations there exist at the moment in, in, within a company. So, so there yeah. are num- there were a number of number of other things that that you identified in uh, in an article and conversation that you and I had, other dumb things that go on at work, and I thought that might be a good place to start. Like, what are some of these dumb things that that you've observed, that you've heard stories of? And I think people that listen will go, "Yep, that's me. Yep, I've seen that too." What are some of these other dumb things? That- I I I I'll, I'll, I've picked four, which oh. is uh, uh, because it was a long list. And we don't have time to go through because it, the list is endless, right? So I picked four, and I'll just uh, throw them out there um, about meetings. In some cases, they are completely behind closed doors, uh, and no information within the meeting is shared with anybody, and for whatever reason. And sometimes, obviously, there is a good reason to keep it close, to keep it tight. Most of the time, there is no good reason other than uh, hoarding the information that you're gathering during the meeting, which is actually number four on the list. But uh, two, um, changes within the company, within regulations, are not communicated well. Uh, You just get an email uh, where it says something, something has changed. 
and um, usually that's not enough. Uh, in email, if it gets read, it gets into a folder somewhere, it disappears, and the information is not communicated. It's just shared in a way which is not very productive. Uh, another one is um, the disconnected management, uh, which can be um, an amazing uh, big hurdle for a lot of people where they simply cannot communicate with management. And management is completely disconnected from the, from the work floor or the office floor or, uh, or anybody else not knowing what's going on and trying to get every, everything into uh, you know, your periodic review and uh, get all the information that way quickly, uh, but not efficiently. So, so that, uh, just those were four with, things. With that, with that point of management being disconnected, what what would that look like? <clears throat> say in a workplace, what would you see or not see happening, and uh, how would you know if management was connected? For one thing, sharing information. Mm. If um, management is disconnected, they they won't hardly share information with you about any decision-making process or changes that that is just one level up from you. Uh, but for you as, as a worker bee, if you will, it is important to know which way the company is going, what everybody is doing, because if you have that information, then if you notice something or see something, you can do something about it. Or you can relate it to a certain change within the company. So the sharing of information going down is really important, but also asking information going up. Uh, managers don't know everything, uh, hardly, I'd say. Um, some nothing. And uh, But one manager can never know everything that his workforce knows, right? Collectively, the workforce knows more than any manager can ever know. And asking questions about uh, any situation from the workers can change uh, a lot of things. If those things don't happen, so there's no two-way communication, there's no uh, sharing of information, there's no free flow of information, there's managers that go like, oh, I, I didn't know you were doing that. Oh, oh, are you working on that project? I thought he was working on that project. And uh, you know, those kind of things are, are telltale signs that management just your of your manager or a manager just doesn't know what is going on. Well, you list those four phenomena, and I know the list would be endless if we could spend hours. Things that happen, so meetings behind closed doors, uh, anything that goes on that's around a change is badly communicated or communicated by one channel. Um, the disconnection that management have with what's actually happening in the workplace and how information gets hoarded. And I look at those things and I think um, some people might say, well, yeah, that, so what? That's just the way that things do go on in this workplace. Man meetings are held behind closed doors. None of the stuff you've listed, what I'm saying, is seems uh, it, it kind of seems intentional. It's a little bit like the story of the wet monkeys. Do you know that story of how things happen? It seems a bit like that. You, you, yes. you put some monkeys in a cage and eventually um, they find themselves behaving in ways that they wouldn't be able to explain because it's just the way things get done. So I think those sorts of dumb things, if you like, uh, came from somewhere, they originated somewhere. So in, in your 
experience in your mind, where do you think things like that kind of derived from? What sort of values or beliefs or, or systems very, or processes? Very, yes, very, very uh, uh, old uh, beliefs and situations. The way we are working now, um, you can safely say we've been working like that for 30 years, something like mm. that, 20 at the least. If you just consider the time that you got to work, like 20 years ago, when you got to work, you had your desk, you had your email, you had your Microsoft Office suite, and your Windows PC. So I'm asking, what has changed in the past 20 years? There's nothing has changed. You still have your email, you have your Office apps, and you have your Windows machine, and you have your desk, and you have a flat screen as opposed to uh, CRT or whatever, those big televisions that you had on your desk. That's the only thing. The technology has changed, but the way we work hasn't changed at all. And that's just for the past 20 years. And But the way we're working now, or that most of us still work, uh, dates back from uh, Industrial Revolution, the, the, the big um, factories that we had, where command and control structure was the way to go. You know, the one on top decides everything and disseminates the information down, whatever needs to be shared, and as less as possible, and people just need to come in, do their job, and go out, and that's it. Nothing more. And it's power that um, provides the continuation of that system. When I'm a manager, when I keep information to myself, when I don't tell people pretty much anything, then I can retain the power that I have because there's no one that can take my place or I don't have to be threatened by anybody about anything. And well, there's numerous reasons why it happens, but it happens on every level. And um, we don't want to change. We don't want to give up the power. And that's why we maintain the system as it is. Uh, so I think, if you want to put it in one word, it's power. Mm. So if if it's around power and you, your idea that we, when you say we, I suppose you mean all of humanity, don't want to give up the power, you're suggesting that anybody who goes for a management role goes off and gets some really good, intense personal therapy <laughs> to deal with their power issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, right, but it's, it's, it seems intractable if, if, it's, if the core of it, to, to your mind, in your experience and what you've your assessment if it's around power what what are some um, what are some ways out and that's kind of a rhetorical question at this stage it's we're dealing with a human condition and we've inherited some things from the industrial age uh, in in workplaces which are non-industrial and probably it's becoming more uh, obvious that it's unsatisfying it's ineffective um, probably not very efficient as well so I think that's a question that would be really good to, to kind of have as a, a thread through our podcast of the issue of power. There's obviously when you're um, at the lowest uh, on the office floor, uh, when you have to work up against managers, uh, it's, it's always difficult. But you can always, in a horizontal way, change things by communicating with your colleagues, uh, sharing the information that you have with them, and trying to get them to a higher plane. 
as far as managers goes, uh, they have to learn that leadership is not about control. Uh, it's not about dictating what people need to do. It's about giving them freedom for them to decide how they're going to do it. And leaders have to let go and, you know, put the right people on the right task and then things will get done uh, in a perfect world, obviously. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done, but leaders need to realize that asking a question to solve a certain problem mm. is not a weakness. It's a strength. And once they get it into their heads, they can turn the things uh, they can turn things around. They can turn the tide, because you know, as an employee, there's only so much you can do. But once you get up, you have to get through that management level, and that kind of change takes a lot of time. And if you have a manager that doesn't want to do it, it just doesn't gonna happen. It isn't gonna happen. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that we're looking at reimagining work, sowing some seeds, and you, your idea that, say, if you're, if you're working with a bunch of your, your peers, that you, um, you do what you can to share the information that previously would get hoarded, that you take some personal action with your peers, um, despite a system or a culture that may be more focused on power and control. Um, what would you say to people who go, well, yeah, I've tried that, but then the manager kind of inter interrupts or butts in and says, stop sharing information or stop, you know, th th that kind of cuts across because at the heart of it, maybe unrecognized, there is that power game that the manager is playing. If I don't have power, then do I have a purpose in this place? Exactly. So yeah. what would you say to people who go, I've tried that, it wouldn't work, or I've tried that, it didn't work, or I've tried that, I just got my wrist slapped? Yeah. I think there's uh, three options that you can do. One, shut up, sit down, do your work, give up. I mean, it's not nice, it's not a, a brilliant way, but some people just have to accept the fact that it's just not going to happen, you know? And how sad, however sad that is, it happens. Another one um, is, um, I said three, and now I'm only, I've got two in my head. It's typical. Um, listeners, get used to that. It happens a lot. Anyway, so I had three things. But the second thing is try a different way. Get a level higher. You know, just circumvent your manager and get to another manager. Depending on how determined you are, that is one of the ways. And get facts, right? Show them that if you share information or if you work or if you reimagine work in a more, uh, you know, in a more future context, uh, these are the benefits or the potential benefits that we can have within the company, which eventually is going to have a real effect on the ROI, on the return of investment that, that companies desperately need. They want to make more money, so you have to show them that what we change can benefit, benefit the company and if your manager doesn't want to listen for sometimes obvious reasons you go one level higher and you just do it I mean again in some cases even one level up I mean that guy is protecting that guy and you run against a brick wall again and you only get into trouble maybe you even try one level higher you know there's always a bigger fish 
try to find the biggest fish. Uh, I know Celine Schillinger they did the same thing, right? She saw something that was a problem, uh, a real problem, and she just created an email, thought like, I got nothing to lose, you know, and I'll just send it to the CEO and see what happens. And by now, the whole company is changing. And um, because she just took that step and figured, well, you know, my manager can do anything. I'll just go straight to the top and see what happens. I'll just throw it out there, see what happens. And she, she you know, created a lot of change within the company. It does work. I and like your idea that, that nothing, you've got nothing to lose. Like Celine used to model that in her uh, th 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 That was my third option, by the way. Find another company to work for. Find another workplace. Which can be dis dis disenchanting for people when they look around and see that most workplaces still follow these old industrial command and control rules. Yeah, but so you some have your honeymoon period where it feels like it's a different sort of workplace, and then you go, oh, they do the same thing, it just looks slightly different here. Mm -hmm. They still hoard information, they still communicate badly, the managers are still interested in power, but they've just dressed it up slightly differently. So yeah. the, third, the third one is, is when, it, when things get so bad and people can't sustain themselves. Um, and you know you do see that happening, particularly with very very low engagement. People are, um, you know, there's this sort of thing called warm chair attrition, where people are sitting at work, they're filling the chair, they're keeping it warm, but quietly they're looking for other jobs. And spiritually, mentally, emotionally, they've kind of gone. They're just playing the game, going through the motions. Not a very good thing in terms of reimagining the future of work, but it is one of the things. But I think your your idea of nothing to lose. And I don't know if you had thought of this as a as another point, but my I would add a fourth one to that is don't do it alone. You know, you'll find your one or two allies who think actually I do want to share information with you. I do want to be working more openly and transparently. And my because my thing in, in the work I do is is don't be isolated. You are not alone. And if you think and feel this, probably other people do too. So find your find your allies, find your network where you can do this stuff of practicing open work and transparent work. Uh, yes. The, I can use Celine again as an example because she didn't send the email just to the CEO. She sent, because uh, this was about, um, um, I, 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 do you know the term, uh, the, the women, men, uh, now I'm at a loss. Gender equality. Gender yeah, equality. There you go. That had to come from far, um, and I'm all for it. It's not because of it's somewhere in the back of my head, but uh, that that was the problem that she noticed within the company. There was no gender equality. You know, women were at the bottom, men were at the top. Period. And uh, whether it was intentional or not, that's debatable. But that's the situation. It was really hard for a woman to get up in that company. So she sent the email to a CEO, and she sent the email to a couple of uh, female colleagues, like only three or something. They received the email, and they read it, and they were so moved, and they were so um, enticed by it. You know, They were so motivated by it. They were like, yeah, this is the change that we've been looking for. This, was the, this is the moment where we stand up and, and unite and say, this is not going to work anymore. This has to change. And uh, they actually started uh, communicating it to others. 
and that's when it went viral within the company. And actually, it's not because the CEO took any action initially, but he knew about it, sorry, and he couldn't stop it. So, yeah, get allies, get friends, you know, make small changes, start with small changes, find people that will will do that with you. There's always somebody that goes like, yeah, I know, isn't that irritating? Yeah, well, get those people and change uh, that one little thing. You know, if it's only between the two of you, others will notice at some point and they'll get aboard and, you know, and you can grow your movement. You can become a corporate rebel if you want. I think that was a word that we've used before about this being a movement. Reimagining work is a movement and there's a whole world of people out there who are part of this movement, I believe. You know, when you talk about finding your allies, uh, making some significant changes, some small but significant changes, but doing it with your allies, um, with the idea that you have nothing to lose. In fact, you've probably got everything to gain because you may end up not trying something different and not trying to find your allies and then doing what you said, which is to find another job, which is is not the easiest thing and is... is no, is, is not true. Thing. True, yeah. definitely true. It's, it's definitely, mm. in this economy, it's definitely not easy. Mm. But there's something being said for uh, companies that, that at the very least try to create a, a 21st century culture where an open culture or a transparent culture, you know, they are looking for allies, you know, those companies. They are looking for people who want to work that way because, let's face it, there's still people, a lot, bunch of people that come in, do their work and go out and they don't want anything to do with all this sharing and transparency and I don't know what. They don't want to be part of that, you know. So, and these kind of people, you don't want to work for your company if you're your initial state is like we want transparency, we want openness, we want preferably a little thinner hierarchy, and maybe not flat, but you know a little bit less silos and Chinese walls and those kind of things. And uh, if you come in there like, oh, I don't want to, no, I'm not going to change, no, uh, I don't want my picture up on the on the uh, the Facebook of uh, of the company internally. I don't want to share that information. They go like, seriously? Well, you know don't come work here and they are looking for people who want to do that who want to share who want to be open so but you have to find them and that's not easy there's a comment I'd like to pick back up on that you made managers have to learn dot 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 and it was related to the conversation around power and where their place is in the organization managers have to learn so managers have to learn we all have to learn what 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 would you say that people can can find their allies they can make some small significant changes in their working practices and managers still have to learn something about uh, their place in the organization or power and control or how they use it. That's the 64 million trillion billion dollar question. Of how, do you get, how do you get people to learn something? How do you uncover a blind spot? I'm not entirely sure it would be a, a conscious malicious thing of I need to hoard my power. I think no. it's more unconscious. So how do, you, how do you approach? How would you suggest you approach? What would be a principle of approaching the sort of learning that needs to happen at a managerial level so that they are encouraging of the initiatives that someone like Celine started off as a movement? Um, first, uh, the situation of middle management is something that is a huge problem. Uh, when get a company... Of, get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's usually you know the first thing that... Because when change happens, it gets decided from the top and change is going to be made from the bottom. 
and at some point middle management is literally being cut in the middle and some cannot cope with that and um, I don't think you really need to get rid of them all uh, you know you still need you know certain uh, overseeing uh, you need still you know you need still need uh, dare I say you still need control right it's just the way that you implement it changes and for managers I think um, because the change is so fundamental they um, have to be made aware that if they change in a proper way they can benefit from it that they do not have to give up everything that they do not have to give up their power well they have to give up their power because you know it's elusive it's something that's not real anyway you know so it's only in their heads that they really have any power but um, they have to be made aware that this kind of change benefits them right so you need to have some sort of toolbox that you can uh, or, or some sort of flyer that you can give them to them where there's a little bit of fact in and j just to start I don't know what or an email or something where it says where, where they can be made clear that you know if you change it doesn't hurt you that much not as much as you're gonna think and um, having training sessions one-on-one uh, -on -one, especially when you're a consultant within a company and this change is actually manifesting you have to sit down with somebody and you have to convince that person that what it is that they're doing it's okay don't worry about it you know just you know follow with it and and you know get used to it play the game like we're setting it out for you and you'll see that you'll benefit from it can I add something? When you talk about training, you just suddenly brought three three stories to my mind. And it goes, I think it goes beyond training. I think it's something that uh, it's around awareness, self awareness. There, there is very much that connection between the personal and the professional, where where there's not a line when yeah. you're a leader or a manager, or actually when you're anyone in a workplace. That I can think of the three stories that came to my mind when you were speaking were three senior teams I was working with, three completely different industries in different locations. And in the course of some work that we were doing with the, the whole senior team in the same, in the same room, was really less of a training session, more of a, uh, a, a awareness, self-awareness, growing self-personal awareness and interactive awareness. And in all three of these situations, one person at a certain point, their eyes opened up and they said, we are a microcosm of the whole business. If we can't do this ourselves, how can we expect everyone else to behave in the ways that we expect them to behave. It was like one of those aha moments and it was there that the, 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 the conversation deepened amongst people of so we are a model of the whole organization, we're a microcosm as we function so will the organization so no wonder we see some of these dumb things happening let's see if we can get ourselves working really well so I think that kind of underlines the thing about managers have to learn and they should they have to be made aware but it's a it's a really challenging question I think of how do you make someone aware of something how do you get your blind spots uncovered it's really difficult um, I'm thinking about some general principles because uh, we've got some situations that happen at work we've got some things that we, we might identify as the origin and some general principles you've already begun to identify some of these as well so don't do it on your own find your allies um, Focus on um, some some learning at a managerial level, 
are learning about their role and their what they what they do with their power. Um, the the principle of you've got nothing to lose. Um, the the principle of um, what was the other one that you named? I'm just like you with memory. <laughs> you said there, were, there were three points. There were three points. Ah, try something small and significant. That was the really big one as well. Take yeah. some small significant Fo focus, steps. Focus, focus on the things uh, of which you have a good hope of being successful. Because right. when you want to make this kind of change, when when you hit failures, it, it gets even more difficult to to make the change. If you are successful and you can share that successful story, that'll help you tremendously in, in your progress. That's, a, that's another excellent principle. Go where the hope is. So you make some small significant changes with allies that will make a difference to how you work. Um, and you do it where the hope is. So you do the things where you know this is going to make a difference or I'm actually not going to be blocked by this by somebody else or a policy or a procedure. Yeah. So you go where the hope is. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that underlining that is that real 21st century thing of constant learning that you know for ourselves that personal awareness um, developing mastery of ourselves knowing of ourselves uh, and in the modern workplace I don't think you can take that out it's not an industrial workplace anymore mm -hmm. so those are some good principles so winding the podcast up so we started by discussing some of the dumb things that go on at work and I'm sure that lots of listeners will recognize those and many more um, information being hoarded uh, managers seeming to be unconnected from what goes on in the workplace, uh, meetings happening behind closed doors, basically a closed and untransparent sort of workplace, which if we think about where they come from, the industrial age, and we don't live in industrial age anymore, we're not making widgets by and large, it is time to think about new ways of doing things. And so the principles that we've come up with, um, I think, are even more useful potentially than some top tips so take your time, find your allies, uh, you've got nothing to lose, make some small significant steps to the way that you actually work and you have some control over and go where the hope is. So um, that would be my summary of our chat today. Is there anything you'd add to that? No, no, stay at it. Stay at it. And this is a conversation. Don't, don't give obviously. up. Don't give up. There's, there's, yeah. always, there's always something that you can find that, that can be improved. There's always people willing to help. Uh, whether they're within the company or online, uh, there are huge communities that, uh, that 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 really want to help. Uh, when you look for social business enterprise 2.0, um, or contact us if you have a question. Um, um, we'll be happy responsive to. Uh, org is another one. Responsive org is another one. There you go. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll put them down in the below the. This in, or the, in the summary of the podcast, I think we'll put those out there. Yeah, wherever we're going to put it. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll wind up today. Next yes. podcast, episode three, uh, we've entitled What's Going On in My Team? Um, and I'll share a little um, some of the learnings that I've uh, been very fortunate to gather in the work that I do with teams all over the place. So for this podcast, I think we say farewell. And... See you next time.